Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. Today's episode features a collection of interviews that I conducted while on site in Dallas, Texas, at the recent ASCII Success Summit held October 6th and 7th. And as per usual, ASCII allowed me to not only attend the conference, but to interview both vendors and attendees and get their perspective on ASCII and why the conference has been a big help to them and their business. Today's interviews feature Josh Liberman, Michael Crean, Matt Foreman, Zach Calloway, and Diana Giles. Sit back and enjoy, and on with the show. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. And as I mentioned earlier, streaming live from Dallas, Texas, where we are attending the very last ASCII Success Summit. And I am joined by another good friend of mine here at ASCII. You have met him on the show before. You know him. You love him. Josh Liberman. Josh, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, and thanks for loving me. <laughs> That's more than I expected. Uh, uh, how are you doing, Marvin? I'm good. I'm good. So my first time in Dallas, and uh, what a place here. Oh, really? I've been through many times because of the shows and whatnot, and even an ex-girlfriend. So I'm familiar with it, although I'm really glad I'm not driving and figuring out the tollways this time. <laughs> so I usually choose not to go west of the Mississippi. Ah. But uh, when ASCII said, hey, why don't you come out? And I said, okay, I can do that. So here we are. And uh, so before we get too far along, Josh, I know that I've said you've been on the show before. It's been probably a couple of years now. So for members and listeners who don't know you, let's go ahead and introduce you, your company, and uh, all that good stuff. Well, I'm Joshua with Net Sciences. We're from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we are a small MSP that primarily focuses on professional services, construction, mechanical stuff, like many of you out there, no doubt. We're heavily security-focused, but that's also a little bit like a fish talking about water. We have to be. <laughs> but what what we are, is, above all else, is pretty aggressive about enforcing, enforcing standards and making sure that the weakest link is uh, not, not one of our clients. Mm. Now, you've been in business quite a long time. Uh, I This is my 25th year. I think you got me by a year or two, right? Yeah, 28th, actually. We okay. started right at the end of 95. All right. So, and business, I assume it's good. Yeah, last year was our best year ever by any measure at all, actually. Nice. Yeah. Uh, amazingly <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, so, we were talking before the show that things are kind of adjusting for us, as they always do in the industry. We were talking about the dreaded fight that we're having with customers and their enforcement of multi-factor authentication. Yeah, it's been uh, a long story. For a few years, I've been speaking, talking, writing, you know, pushing folks to do this, and uh, finally decided that this was the year, and then it got to be September, and I decided that was the month. So honestly, it's pretty limited. We're only talking about uh, remote access where we've had it enforced for a while, and uh, M365. And I really believed for a while that that would be old hat and there wouldn't be much pushback. There wasn't as much pushback. There was grumbling and, you know, nasty words here or there. We had a couple of clients that took us to the mat, including one that sent me a cease and desist letter. Ugh. 
<laughs> which he wrote himself uh, oh. and can't spell cease. But, you know, I, I had words with him, and we're, we're now at the point where all but one has made that transition. But it's been a tremendous struggle, and I'm, I'm surprised. that It's amazing because they must not realize that this isn't us pushing this. And the fact that I, I had a conversation with uh, somebody the other day that the insurance companies have made it a little easier because when they talk about secure remote access – they are attaching 2FA or MFA to their insurance requirements. So that takes the pressure off of, off of me. But in terms of, you know, how you're addressing it, are you just doing it across the board, everybody? Yeah, we're down to the last site where we haven't done it. Your comment about insurance is poignant and somewhat pertinent. So the, the issue is that a lot of people, as they look to do cyber liability, are now seeing that MFA is required. It actually was two or three years ago, but right. it was an attestation or self-attestation, which is a long way to say lying. So the problem was a lot of people were just saying they did it. Now we're seeing some of the um, writer, underwriters, or some sorry, some of the agencies requiring documentary proof, yes. screen caps, et yep. cetera, et cetera. That helps, but unfortunately what I discovered is only about a third of our base carries cyber. And rather than this pushing them to do better security, it's pulling them away from buying cyber liability. So they're not doing the insurance. Yeah, they're figuring that's the shortcut. Well, then they get we just won't it. worry about it. Yeah. And then if something happens, we'll deal with it then. Well, one of the things that I remind them of endlessly is that our cyber liability insurance does not cover their loss. And I've had folks that I've had that discussion with two or three times, and they still bring it up a fourth time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that people don't understand this. Isaac, Isaac Asimov had a great saying. Not that people can't tell the difference between right and wrong. They're just having trouble deciding. So I believe that we're at the point where people understand that this has to be done, but we're not at the point where it's emotionally uh, resonant so far. So the way that I described it with uh, the person I was speaking with is that it's not a law. You know, people are now wearing seatbelts because it's the law. People are getting car insurance because it's the law. Although there are people that are still choosing yeah. not to abide by the law. <laughs> I, I don't think it's all about law. And, and interestingly enough, we've only had that law for auto insurance being mandatory since the 80s in New Mexico. Because I remember how much money I had to spend when it became a law. Yeah. I think it's the, a better description is it's the norm. And I think that now people wear seatbelts largely because, for the most part, they believe that they're beneficial, and they're used to seeing their peers do it. And the peers thing is probably the hinge. I'm trying to find other businesses in similar fields that know that I can get people to talk to who fought me with MFA, and actually that did help at one site where they utterly refused and threatened to fire us on the spot if we not if we enforced MFA. But once he was introduced to a couple other people, chamber he's a member of that we're using it including one that was my client objections quieted it so we're getting into a whole business philosophy discussion here but yeah one of the uh, things that i just used in a customer that was a long-term break fix that i just kind of let be break fix uh, i know that a lot of msps would just simply drop all their customers i did not but they finally had a server crash and i told them that as part of the conditions of me providing them with the new servers, they had to go on agreement. 
and that they had to do all of this stuff. And they asked why. And I said, well, because I am now responsible for your stuff. And it is not a matter of me saying I'm responsible. It is the insurance company. It's the legal entities. If you get a ransom attack, if something happens, your insurance companies, the first question they're going to ask is, who's your IT provider? And they're going to come after me. So in order for me to be protected and to protect you properly, this is what has to be done. And they didn't fight me too much. I mean, of course, they you know asked about price and can we do this? But eventually they signed because I told them, I said, at some point, every IT person is going to have to do this. So I think it's a good point. The uh, On the ASCII forum not long ago when I wrote about the struggle with MFA, maybe this week actually, somebody chimed in and said, look, you're approaching it wrong. You just need to explain to them, this is not your requirement. This is Microsoft's. Uh, not quite yet true, but very close. And I, I, I think the point is to explain to people, again, it's about norms. This is how it works. And I wrote back and I, I pointed out that, first of all, I raised Siberian Huskies, so I know about training uh, animals. And second of all, I made the worst mistakes I've ever made when I decided to be lax about 2FA a few years ago. My first pass at it was a few years back. We tried to go to Duo and Universal MFA for everybody okay. on all kinds of logins, and that was a bridge too far too fast. But then I just let it fester for a couple of years. So if you've raised dogs or any other animals that you train, or if you've raised clients, and you, you, what you run into is if you cut them slack in a certain way, it's hard to reel that slack back in, right. whether it's terms that they pay on or letting them slide on something like MFA. I keep talking about this like, we are enforcers or we're raising animals. I don't really mean that. But I will say that there are similar experiences. Those that had complete trust in me, half of our sites or more, that never questioned anything I request, some of them were even ahead of me. They had already talked to some of my staff and turned it on for a few of their users. Well, now everybody has it. It was great. But there, we're down to that one, one robust site, biggest one we have, where they've had three penetrations by means of phishing and, you know, eating off credentials to M365, and they will do neither user training nor will they do MFA. Mm. So next week will be the most interesting. It'll be fun for you. Yep. Do you find that customers are kind of living with this new mindset is we're going to get away with as much as we can get away with, period. (sighs) And it's not even about the cost in a lot of senses. It's like, I I just don't want to do it. So uh, that would be an overstatement for okay. me. It, it's not that so much as that they still don't necessarily buy into the fact that this applies to everyone. It's not a big company thing. Uh, you are right that it's not cost, it's inconvenience. That's absolutely true. Uh, we have found that over the years, the cost was certainly a barrier, but we did go all MSP in 2010. And I did exactly what you said you weren't going to do, which is what I said I wasn't going to do in 2009. I lost half our installed base in 2010, but we also went up in profitability and really went back down from there. The It's not that they want to get away with things. It's just that they find it hard to internalize, to emotionally accept that this it, that they're in the crosshairs. Mm. It's them too. So that the peer thing, if you find somebody else in a similar business that has gone through this, that you support or at least that you know, and you can get them into a dialogue, they relate to peers. And it doesn't matter that the peering has to do with their industry, business size, or maybe they 
play lousy golf together. Some they have to have some sort of way to relate to them. And so far, we're pretty good at that. That's a good thing to note because I guess I've been lucky where a lot of my clients have come by referrals. And usually the new referral will do pretty much what the old referral did. So it's a little easier to digest all those things. Well, you know, you do that for John. So whatever John, whatever you do for John, do for us. Yeah. So you're basically adopting Huskies from a breeder who's a trainer at about a year of age. Whereas we're going, you know, to the shelters and the rescues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're not getting the trained yeah. animals. You are. Yeah. Jack, who's had his company on the street for, you know, 10 years and in the wild, it's not going to adjust no. that easy. Yeah. The most amazing thing to me to this day is the spectacular percentage of businesses we encounter that have never had professional IT support. Each of the last, well, this year and last, I picked up customers that have CMMC exposure, at least by next year. Neither of them had supported operating systems on anything. Both were SBS03 boxes. Neither had firewalls, neither had backup, neither did patching, neither had endpoint protection. And they came to me and they needed to be CMMC. It's looking like under CMC21, but maybe even L2 in one case. And I was looking at them. I felt like I was in front of a 400-pound you know, sumo wrestler who told me they needed to be on the balance beam in the Olympics next year. And I explained to him, it's a series of steps. We're going to start with the very most basic. Then we're going to secure you once that's possible. Yep. Then we're going to talk about what it takes to build the processes and procedures and documentation to become compliant, fill in the blank with what you need. But yes, we're getting a lot of folks. Uh, I keep track of this. 70% of the site interviews I've done since 2010 have been companies that have never had professional IT services to this day. That's a big jump for a lot of them when, uh, you know, their brother's nephew's cousin who does IT on the side yeah. <laughs> has been their provider. Yeah, especially when you walk in, you know, you've got one guy telling them that they can walk around in that hospital gown and you're trying to build a custom suit. I mean, it's a big leap yep. right there. And uh, even when you point out that, you know, once you leave the room, though, people will notice that's a hospital gown for sure uh it's it's just hard i mean and it's really hard to take people who are spending nothing or a company we picked up in arizona now a hundred dollars a month they need to spend 1500 or two to really get there and they need to replace their 10 year old gear which hasn't caught fire yet uh in that case literally and uh same thing with me i just signed up that uh, that client i mentioned earlier uh, they're at 150 basically for backup and for me to have remote access. And I did put um, managed antivirus and web protection on there, but that's basically covering my cost and gives me the ability to jump in when I need to. But I had to do something, and they really should be at about 1000 You know, sometimes it takes a shtick or it takes a, a gimmick or a prop I used to take folks to a great restaurant in Albuquerque when they were in a situation like this. We'd have, you know, a hundred dollar lunch. As long as I believed that there was a shot that they were going to actually engage with us, if nothing else, I had a good lunch. But I'd sit down when lunch was over. I would talk to them about how we just had a wonderful lunch—not a hundred dollar, but a wonderful lunch—and then I would we'd go out to the car and I would point to a food truck and say, "So that's where you've been eating. This is where would you like to be able to eat it." Scala all the time. 
And I, you have to find some way to get them to understand that the $100 they're spending, even if it's well spent, isn't comparable to the 1500 they right. need to. Yep. Oh, the joys that we live with, Josh. So I see some people starting a story about, so I want to let you get back to the events. Uh, but before we go, uh, let's quickly, because this is an ASCII event, and I would like for them to keep asking me to come back. <laughs> uh, you've been an ASCII member for many, many years. You are one of those, I'm going to say pillars of the ASCII community. Whenever uh, people are in the the forum, whenever they're at events, Josh Liberman is there. So how long have you officially been a member of ASCII, and, and what benefits do you see that keep you coming back? Well, I had 96 when I joined, so it was our first full okay. year, and I had a little bit of money in the bank, and I thought I'd throw a few dollars around and see what happened. Uh, I say that the primary benefits for me are the community, and the events, and the Early, I would always point to the savings. For example, we were uh, GFI and Logic Now and whatever yep. partners, and those distributor, discounts. Distributor purchases. Well, in particular, the RMM tools, that was saving me uh, two or three times my monthly cost per month. So if you're not smart enough to work the math on that, uh, I was actually making money being an ASCII partner back then for sure. But then, yes, shipping discounts, which we do a fair amount of, and uh all kinds of other buying discounts. I had managed to uh, wheedle my way into several of the discounts prior, so that wasn't really what drew me. But again, the community, the support, the help, and now, of course, the marketing, um, insurance plans, and other stuff. It's just incredible. Now, I also see a lot of times when people are asking for help and doing a lot of the stuff there that you're one of the people that usually will either be able to assist or be able to recommend somebody in the area for them to, even if they're nowhere close to you. Yeah, I keep track of a lot of folks. I mean, I have about a thousand MSPs contacts and people that know me know about how my brain works. Like I can walk up to people and I don't know their cell number without remembering their name. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's a, it's a mixed gift, but I do, I connect people quite a bit. Uh, and I like to tell everybody that well, everyone's freely entitled to my opinion. Uh, and I share it frequently, but I'll also know when I don't know something, and I'm happy to pass that on. I think the forum is full of people that are extremely capable and capable of connecting to others like that. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. One member's perspective on ASCII, long, long-time member and good friend Josh Liberman. So, Josh, thank you for stopping by, and uh, we'll be back soon, folks, with another podcast here as I find members uh, running back and forth here at the event. And if you happen to be at the Dallas show, bring your head because there's a great headshot photographer. Ah, free headshots for everyone here. So thanks a lot, Josh. We'll uh, see you out and about. Thanks. All right, folks. Talk to you later. Holla. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another interview from ASCII in Dallas, Texas. We are here for the last event of the year, the ASCII Success Summit. This one is called the ASCII Cup, and I have with me a represent, representative from last year's ASCII Cup winner, Michael Crean with Solutions Granted. Michael, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing Excited good. Excited to be here. Looking forward to another great ASCII event, and it's the Cup, baby. Yeah, you seem pretty pumped about this Cup thing. You know, last year, if somebody would ask me, what were we going to do? I was like, man, if I can get in the top 10, I'm great. I'm cool. I'm wonderful. It's amazing. But to come away as the number one vendor of the year, I, 
like when it was called, I was speechless. I was literally floored. Now I came back this year, like I got to defend the crown. I am coming for it. I've worked hard all year long. My team has been incredibly supportive. Our channel has been there for us and I want it bad. Now let's put this in perspective because you guys have won a lot of awards over the year. You've been channel. And so what is it that makes the ASCII cup? I mean, cause I've seen you get excited at other events, but not this excited. So what is it about the ASCII cup that is doing it? I think it's just, you know, we've been in this community for so many years now and we've really been accepted and we've got so many wonderful partners that are ASCII members, but it's the pinnacle of success. Like whether it's the Stanley Cup in hockey or it's a Super Bowl or it's Major League and it's the World Series, like this is it. Like it's just an exciting time to know that all you can do is lay it all on the line, do your very best, and it's the community that votes on you. Like I, I can't train for this. I just have to be me. And when the community votes... Like that's a huge high for me. Uh, that is the thing. So, so ASCII has put on. I think this is most years. It's nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one year was ten. I think it's nine this year. I, I so. obviously do not attend all nine. Did you attend all this year? We did. We did all nine this year. Okay. Even, we even went to our brothers and sisters to the north. We went up to Toronto. Oh, that that's dedication there. <laughs> to leave I the- love Toronto. It's always a nice time. And it's, you know, like you go to some places around the United States and, you know, some cities are nicer than others. You get a little bit of Southern hospitality in some places, not so much, but all of the Toronto people are just really welcoming and inviting. And They are. Um, yeah. They are. So for listeners that may not know you, I, I have had you on the podcast and we've talked about solutions granted. I use you uh, to manage uh, some firewalls. I have uh, in the works uh, doing the uh, EDR solution, but let's talk a little bit about who solutions granted is. Well, besides being really good looking and having a magnetic personality. Okay. I First mean, of all, this is podcast. Nobody can see you. That's why I can make that statement <laughs> because nobody can see me. And then there's no way for them to know unless they've ever met me. Um, so solutions granted, we've been around for 21 years, obviously not as an MSSP because those things didn't exist 21 years ago, but we've kind of gone through these change or be changed moments from being a government contractor to having a facility clearance and being a VAR and being an MSP to finally getting to this point of like, it's not a good life for me. I become very detached, not passionate, became an MSSP and decided to take it to a channel. And that's what we are today. We're a managed security services provider. We run a 24 seven SOC. We have an MDR for the endpoint in the cloud, and we have managed firewall offerings. We've got, obviously, the 24-7, 365-day-a-year security operations center, true live eyes on glass, which is never outsourced, never overseas. You talk to Bob. I promise you, Bob, Bob is right here it's, in His North name America. is really Bob. There, there's, <laughs> there is a Bob. Yep, we do have a Bob. Um, but, you know, and that's who we are, and we're doing this with our channel partners. Um, and what the coolest part is what I always wanted as an MSP I wanted somebody to give me the opportunity to be successful with them, but not make me pay a whole lot of money up front, have long, lengthy commits, and have these. I have to buy 100 to just get in the game. We start everybody with one. If you've got one firewall, one MDR, one cloud analytics, one whatever, you're in. And if that's all you ever have, then you stay in. And if you grow, you grow and the price gets better. So, I built it the way I wanted it to give everybody the opportunity to have what I believe they need. And it is a perfect offering for somebody like me, a small MSP, uh, that needs to provide that extended support. Having a SOC 24-7 is something that I physically cannot do. 
but to partner with somebody like you that can manage my firewall, see what's going on, and have that 24-7 response is, you know, crucial in what we are doing today. I think it's not even just for small organizations like yours. I think it's everybody. You look at some of these really large MSPs out there that are becoming the culmination of multiples being acquired and put together, you know, to stand up a 24-7 SOC is you're multiplying your team by a significant amount because you have to have a minimum of three people per shift. That whole idea of one is none and two is one, you know, can bring back some of that military jargon okay. that you hear people saying. So at a very bare minimum, and then you're running it 24 hours a day. And you've got to have, because these people aren't going to work seven days a week. So it's not simply just saying, hey, well, I've got to hire three times seven. No, you're hiring a lot more than that. Well, yeah, those, you know, the the sick leave and the days off and the, you know, oh, my car got a flat. Oh, I yeah. Mean- <laughs> oh, my goodness. My, like, if you could only know some of the shenanigans that we hear and we have to put up with with people doing things, you just know it's not true, but whatever. Everybody needs a mental health day. I get it. Sometimes when you're running and staffing, I mean, think about a hospital. You know, they don't get to close their doors. Right. So that staffing is really tough. That's right. So just to let everybody know, even though you're only here in the audio version, we are here live at ASCII. Now, I am across from one of the ballrooms, but it's not the main ballroom. And right now we're being heckled by one of the ASCII members. Not so. just one of the ASCII members. We're talking about a legendary <laughs> Joshua Lieberman. The voice of ASCII, <laughs> the photographer extraordinaire. From, yeah, oh, he said it, from hell. There it is. Not my words, his. Uh, Josh, make me look good tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Mike, let's talk about, uh, let's do a little quick shift, because um, one of the things that Partnering with Solutions Granted does for people like me is allows me to uh, do more I'm not going to say with less because that's not really the right phrasing, but, you know, there is a lot of pressure and I'm not, you know, I'll say it for me, you know, to, to be more than I am. You know, mm-hmm. I, I got, a, I got uh, a vendor that called me probably, I think it was Tuesday and was trying to sell me. I wasn't in a position. I'm like, look, we just, you know, I'm not looking at my stack right now. I'm dealing with hurricane Ian. And the they were comment, very sensitive to your the needs. Content, the, the comment to me was, oh, you don't want to grow your business? And unfortunately, I was, I was in a mood that day. So I do apologize. There's going to be some language. I was like, that's none of your damn business. <laughs> 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 um, but there is this pressure to just simply grow and get bigger and, and do all the things. Now, granted, 24-7 is becoming part of what we have to be aware of and support. For sure. But but the push in how we do it, I think, is what's what's bothering me. It's bothering me as well because, I mean, obviously, I want people to partner with me. I want them to gain their instant success with a team, a collaboration, somebody that they feel like they can partner with. But you're seeing this really huge push in the industry, and a lot of it's coming from the manufacturers of telling their partners, you know, whether they're buying firewalls, whether they're buying endpoint, whatever it is, it's like, well, you know, some of the requirements are you have to have a 24-7 shop and you have to do this and you have to do that. And this is really expensive stuff. And they're not giving them any ideas how to get there. They just, you know, I'm going to come in and I'm going to drop it on your desk. I'm going to tell you what you have to do, but I'm not going to help you get there. I'm not going to help you figure it out. I'm not going to tell you anything other than you have to do it. And I don't think, you know, my really, really smart guy I've met in my life, you know, made this comments like there's many paths to the top of the mountain. You just have to be on one of them. So 
build it, buy it, partner with it. Whatever it is, they're all the right thing to do, but you have to figure out what do you truly have passion for. Not what it is that somebody's telling you you have to do. And obviously there's lots of things in life we have to do. We got to pay our taxes, you know, got to be a good citizen and do some of those things. But it doesn't have to be every MSP becoming an MSSP. Doesn't, that doesn't resonate for me because I think there's a really high bar to be an MSP and to be an MSSP. Like you're going to be an MSSP, my opinion, whether everybody agrees or not, I think you have to run a SOC. Tell me you're running a SOC. Well, then it better be 24-7. Because how do you run a sock if you're only doing it Monday through Friday? Because what, the bad guys go to sleep and they don't attack you at 2 a.m. on a Tuesday? We know that's not true. Well, you know, our clients are only 9 to 5, so we should only be 9 to 5, right? <clears throat> sure. I mean, if you power down the entire network every day when you leave and then power it up every morning when you come back in, which you know is not the right thing to do because you've got backups that have to run, you've got patches you have to do, you've got these maintenance windows, and it's not good for the machines keep turning them off and turning them on. Their life cycle is intended to just run. Right. And those emails still come in, whether the machine's on or off. So they sure do. Um, the emails still got to be checked. Well, you and, know, but, and all the SaaS solutions that are out there today. So now these things never shut down. So if you don't have somebody that's got a 24 seven sock, even if you powered down your entire infrastructure, cloud infrastructure is not being turned down. Right. Now you also get insight into this because you, you're one of the few is your official title CEO? I keep forgetting. It is. Okay. Um, head janitor, CEO, um, you, you, peacemaker, yep. and it's lots of titles. So you're one of the CEOs, the few that I see that really is out there and engaged in talking with IT professionals, managed service, service providers. So you're hearing from the front lines, and is it sounds like this is something that's popping up more and more in your conversations. Is that is that true? It, it's happening a lot. Um, and one of the reasons that I'm out there talking is because my business has gotten to a place where I've got this amazing team sitting behind me and more or less, I just get in the way most days. Um, so what value can I have is I can go out there and be a voice of reason. I can try to raise the tide and bring awareness and just help people. If I've got two cents to give you in a conversation and you take one from it, well, then we transacted well. And it was something that was meaningful both to you and I. Um, but yeah, MSPs are really struggling because just all of this pressure and some of it is like, if you don't have passion for it, how do you really get successful of it? I mean, like look, Michael Jordan had an incredible amount of passion for that game. The love of the game that that man had was extreme. Have that passion, all of that ability would have meant nothing. Well, he's the perfect example of, he probably didn't have all that talent when he started. I mean, we all know about his days of getting <clears throat> cut from the varsity team yeah. in high school. Well, Tom Brady, and I mean, Tom Brady, no difference. six round draft pick, right. you know, you know, it was kind of a, I don't, I don't want to say a joke going into college because I think anybody that goes and plays at a collegiate level, regardless of what division it is, that's pretty awesome and amazing. And you kind of become that, you know, top 3%. Right. But Tom Brady was in high school and college when it first started to compare to what we know him as being today. Well, one of the things that I've taken away from them, I'm a big sports guy. I played in, in high school started to play in college. I played rec ball, you know, up until a few years ago when I finally said it was time to retire because, you know, as a 48 year old trying to guard a 20 year old, <laughs> it's just not the same. No, no, <laughs> there's, the a little, court. there's a little speed and endurance and lots of other things. And if you can do it, you're probably coming off with your bottle of Motrin and becoming your next best friend for <laughs> yep. the next 48 hours. But I find that at a certain point in time, we all have the same 
or have the same access to mm-hmm. tools, I should say. Yeah. We have access to the same information and education, but it's who actually executes even the tiniest of details better than the other. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, here's, you come to these conferences, and you hear a lot of amazing presenters and you see all of these people pushing their wares and they're all trying to get you to buy their technology at the end of the day. Now there's a lot of service providers in here as well, like we are, but the majority of them are buy my stuff. And they say it's the people, the process and the technology in that order for a reason. I didn't make it up. Somebody way smarter than me said it first. So I get to ride the coattails of that. But that's what's important. We have to understand without the people, without the process, it's just one more piece of technology that you're picking up and putting in your bag. And if you're not training and you're not becoming some subject matter expert and becoming really proficient of it, maybe you did a 50% good job. It wasn't great or amazing. And then something goes wrong. And the first thing everybody wants to do is get rid of the technology because the technology failed. The technology didn't do its job. And nobody wants to take a step back and look at their people side of it or the process side of it and really understand technology that failed. And it just becomes too much finger pointing and there's no shared responsibility. It sucks. Well, you mentioned that. And I'm going to ask this question as, as, as uh, tenderly as I can. Oh man, you do not need to be tender with me. Come on. (laughs) But doesn't that happen to you as well? Somebody buys your, you know, solution and they're like, you know what? We're covered. Solutions granted has our back. I don't have to worry about it. And they don't. But then something happens, and then they want to point the finger at you. You were taking care of me. You were supposed to do this. Why do I have to get back involved? All the time. How do you I mean, deal with that? It's tough. So, you know, most not a lot of people know this about me, but, you know, I am probably one of the most competitive individuals you ever meet in your entire life. Like, my son and I, who's 11, and I'm 53, so let's just be honest about this. A little bit of an age difference. He decides to start running up the stairs. I am running after him and I am probably playing dirty to beat him to the top of the stairs. This is how competitive I am. When one of my clients compromise has an incident or there's an event, we should stop using the word breach, by the way. Right. And you know why. You've heard this before. Um, But, you know, we have one of these events. We have to start being more of a collaborative team. We have to start looking at not pointing the finger, not blaming somebody, not taking it out on somebody else. It's, you know, a military team deploys to combat and one of the team members doesn't come home. The entire team suffers. Nobody looks around and says, he deserved it. He was dragging us down. There is a moment that they all feel that loss. Same thing with a firefighter, a policeman, or, you know, you send a basketball team out on the court. Like you've got Michael Jordan. They didn't win all of those championships because of Michael Jordan. There was Dennis Rodman there. There was Scottie Pippen there. So we have to start becoming a better team. We have to start becoming just better human beings with one another and treating one another with kindness and compassion. And yes, I promise you, if my team screwed up, I will come in and tell you, and I will own it. And I will say to you, we dropped the ball. We made a mistake. We missed it. We this, but here's what I'm going to do moving forward. I'm going to change this part of the deliverer. We're going to hunt differently. We're to define these indicators of compromise differently. We're going to do something better because this is the proverbial, the mouse gets smarter and the mousetrap has to change. We can't, this is not static. Um, And I, my son plays hockey. I think, you know, we've talked about this. And for the first three years they played hockey, he was a goalie. As a goalie, you have to be right a hundred percent of the time. Impossible. 
Nobody's right 100% of the time. That's a defensive in nature player. He's not out there shooting the puck. He has to stop every single thing that comes at him. It's the same thing that we are. We are a defensive organization. We can be very preventative. We can be very proactive. But at the end of the day, I am defending. And I am trying to defend at the highest level of nines possible, knowing they only have to be right once. Yep. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I wish, and I this isn't just IT field and MSPs and MSSPs and manufacturers. I think this is maybe a little more of a bigger societal issue. We're always looking to maybe blame someone else and take that monkey off our back, which I think is unfortunate. Well, the, the, the shifting of the blame game is huge right now. And, you know, the fact there's, there's no loyalty and what can I do the least amount of work to get the most amount of reward? Isn't that something? It's like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like I looked at my parents and they worked for General Motors and that's all I knew. My aunts and my uncles and my grandmother and everybody in Northeast Ohio that my circle, my family worked for General Motors. They never complained. They never were looking to do the least amount of work. I mean, like, of course it was hard. My mom worked a factory line. Like, you want to talk about a crap job? Stand on your feet for eight hours watching boards go by and you're doing the same repetitive thing over and over again. But I never heard her complain once in my life. She went to work. She did her job. And she came home and she made us meals and she got us off to school and she did our laundry. And Man, that woman worked hard. My dad worked hard. And there was no blame game. It was just... Just what you did. It's what you did. And I think somehow, somewhere along the way, we've lost a little bit about ourselves and that we are as people and trying to do... I mean, I love technology. Look, I love the fact that every day at nine o'clock in my house, those robot vacuum cleaners take off and they go. And it is absolutely making my life easier and probably making my kids way late. Um, But, you know, that's not me shifting the blame to something. It's me trying to maximize my time because it's the one constant that I can't create any more of. I only have so much of it. But here's the thing though, just because those robots run at nine o'clock, somebody still has to go after them and check and make sure, did they get everything? Or did 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 they get emptied? Did they get emptied? Did something happen after a pass and still has to be cleaned up manually? So yeah, that's my son's job. That's Gabriel. (laughs) Buddy, every day when you get home from school, here's one of your tasks. You're going to go check every single one of those little robots. You're going to make sure they're emptied. And if they got themselves stuck somewhere, you're going to unstick them and put them back on the charger. And you're going to clean out all of the hair that gets wrapped up in it. And you know, it's just part of being a part of a team that he knows that's his responsibility. And definitely you should use that in a presentation to talk about how we should approach what we do. Because we can put all the automation in place. They still have to be checked, mm-hmm. still have to be cleaned, still have to, you know, make sure the job actually got done. Marvin, I mean, like you've been around long enough. I'm not calling you old, um, but you and I both got a little gray hair going on here. It's okay. Emily uh, Glass from Synchro has uh, called me old enough. So. Uh, there you go. But let's go back to the days when we were doing backups with tape. You know, it was a manual process that you had to put your hands on something every day. Therefore, you knew because you were looking at that screen pulling that tape, you were putting that new tape in, you were sending it off site. So you had these manual checks and balances. We don't have those manual checks and balances. We've got all this continuous data protection that's happening now. And how many MSPs actually have a written policy and procedure in place that every third day, every second day, once a week, whatever it is, it gets checked and it gets reported to somebody. Not just the fact that I say I do it, but I quantify the say by action and actually showing it to somebody, you know, that it actually got done and it just happens. Then we forget. 
Well, it goes longer than it should. So I had this discussion with my wife, who's my office manager, oh, starting you, last week because I needed to have her do some of my stuff, which is every morning I have reports come in for backups mm-hmm. and the vulnerability reports that come in on a monthly basis, the web vulnerability reports. Somebody's got to look at those. Right. And she always complained to me about why is, why is it taking you so long to do stuff? I'm like, you know what? Here, I'm going to have you do this now. And we probably spent an hour going through, getting the email, opening it up, opening up the PDF, reading the PDF to see if it was a success or failed or if it was a partial mm-hmm. warning failure. What does that mean? Do we have to look at it? So she's now starting to understand, oh, my goodness. This is what you have to do. And I said, somebody's got to do it. Sure. I mean, automation can only take us so far. And if we just rely on automation too much, then what does the client really need you for? Right. Because they can buy the technology themselves. Yep. They can set up their own automation, but they don't have time to manage it. They don't have time to monitor it. They don't have time to maintain it. This is the human value of the relationship you bring to the table that you're their surgeon. Yep. And you are taking care of them every stinking day. Because honestly, they'd have too much on their plates already. They don't have time for it. Yeah. All right. Well, Michael, my goodness, that has turned into a conversation. And uh, I think we're coming up on a break here. I heard some clapping in the other room. And you've got some drinks you've got to keep a, keep an eye on. Oh, my man. You know, I like, <laughs> I like having fun. And if anybody's ever seen me present before, you know I'm kind of a clown. Um, and I went to Jerry at two ASCII's guns and said, hey, I just want to have fun in the last ASCII cup. Here's what I would like to do. Like, I want to bring some bourbon. I want to bring some bourbon that people don't necessarily get a chance to drink. And I want to open it up, not giving it away. We're going to drink it away. And Jerry said, okay, well, I got to make you the last presenter of the day. He's like, fair enough, fair enough. And then, you know, I've always got to push it just a little bit. And so we've got a break at three o'clock. And I went around and I told everybody in there, we're drinking at three o'clock today. Now we're not trying to get drunk because, you know, there's lots of great presenters in between three and me at 520 or whatever time I am. But yeah, we're... This is going to be a great this event. This is going to be it. This, this is, is it, the, buddy. This is the ASCII Cup, ladies and gentlemen, and you need to attend. So uh, that is going to do it for this quick uh, interview with Michael Crean here at Dallas, the ASCII Cup, last event of the year. So if you are not a member of ASCII or if you've not attended one of these events before, please go to the ASCII site. Start looking at the timetable for next year's events. There is going to be one near you, I promise you. They are all over the country. Uh, They're quick two-day events. You don't have to attend both days, but if you do and you have to drive to get there, ASCII will take care of you for a night. Mm -hmm. Very good event. Vendors here all pitch in and help and make this a great free event to IT solution providers, MSPs, um, a big, great event and thing that the ASCII does for all of us here. So, Michael, thank you very much for spending some time. It only took us uh, a few months to get you on here. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, you keep saying it, and I say, yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. And then I roll off, and you yeah, know, my, you're a busy man. My can't, remember, my can't remember stuff kicks in, and I'm gone. And, yep. But then, you know, you got me today. Here we are. And, you know, yep. I always enjoy my time chatting with you. Thank all you, right. sir. Thank you very much. And that's going to do it, folks. Uh, we'll be back soon. And until then, holla. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv back again at ASCII Dallas, the last up of the ASCII Success Summit for 2022. And this portion of the show, I have found three friends. 
well, two out of three ain't bad. We'll see how it goes when we do these interviews. Uh, but you've heard most of them on the show before. First up, Matt Foreman from the local circuit. He was recently on the show with Trent, and they were doing the Summer Tech Series Texas style. Matt, how are you? Doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, sir. It has been a while since we've seen each other in person. Absolutely. Too long. Yeah. How's it? Uh, <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> so we are here in your home state, my friend. How, how does it feel to have everybody come to you? Uh, it's nice not having to get on a plane this time. So, but yeah, enjoying it. All right. And how far is it uh, from where you are to here? 25 minutes. Oh, not bad at all. On a good traffic day. On a good traffic day. With the HOV tag. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I don't remember. Have you been, you've been to ASCII events before, mm-hmm. right? All right. How does this one stack up so far? We're, uh, we're only on day one, so I understand. So far, not too bad. Uh, I mean, we just got back from DattleCon a couple weeks ago, so some of the vendors we saw just a couple weeks ago, but there seems to be some new ones here that uh, haven't seen yet, so yep. I'm going to check them out. Yeah, a couple of new vendors, although some of them were earlier in the ASCII tour. And for those listeners who, if you haven't figured it out by now, ASCII does nine of these a year. And they were all over the country, and even one in Canada, which this year was Toronto. So we are here in Dallas, the last stop, and I traveled west of the Mississippi. <laughs> so, and you brought a friend with you, Zach. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did I bring somebody? Well, I was supposed to bring my text with me, uh, but we just got kind of busy, and then one had a car wreck last night, so we kind of short-handed. No, not Trent. No, oh, okay. My new guy, Chris, he literally just bought his truck two weeks ago, and somebody ran a red light in front of him, and he T-boned him last night and spent some time in the hospital, so oh he's at home recovering right now. Is he, I mean, was he injured badly? Did he go Busted to up his knee and uh, something with his hand. Okay. His new truck uh, was a standard, and he was just kind of learning to... To, oh. to drive stick and I had nothing to do with the rack. Uh, so, but, it so, a, so it was a little truck, little truck, little Dodge Dakota. So, okay. Yeah. Not a real truck like you drive. <laughs> no, not a, not a big truck. It's a baby Texas truck. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to start. So he's got to upgrade to the F-150, 250. 2,500. Yeah. 2,500. We'll get him there. Okay. So, and how's my boy Trent? He's doing well, doing well. He was, uh, Man and everything by himself since Chris is out and I'm here, and so he's running the fort. He's getting pretty good at that so, yep. uh, between your trips abroad, and you know, you're, you're still going down to uh, Mexico and third world countries doing the water thing, right? Uh, primarily, it has been Haiti, uh, but uh, they've kind of been in a little mess the last year or so with the president getting assassinated, and their government's kind of struggling right now, mm-hmm. so we haven't... Still got my guys there. They live there. Uh, haven't done as much work just in the last year because of the craziness and safety concerns. But, uh, yeah, still chugging away on it. Right. We should probably tell listeners about that. We've talked about your, your IT services company there in Denton. Um, you guys are growing, expanding. But tell us more about the, the water treatment and how you got started in that. Uh, I started, I don't years back with a buddy uh, doing it. And then we kind of worked together for a while. And then we kind of decided we want to focus on different things. So I started uh, this particular organization, Gen 1 Project, uh, in 2016, officially, as a 501c nonprofit. Uh, we 
primarily focus on providing clean water sources. Uh, third world countries, I've done work in uh, Kenya, Malawi, over in Africa, and then right now we're the organization has been 100% focused in Haiti the last few years, um, drilling wells, putting in filter systems. We do little feeding projects and then uh, started doing some you know, microfinance type work, uh, helping some of these people that uh, don't have a job, helping start a business. I mean, something as simple as you know, just beverage sales on the side of the road has been a, uh, one that has been very successful for a family. And, uh, but, but the primary core of it is, is clean water. Uh, just without that, there's nothing else. So that's kind of where we start. And and how, as a 501c3, how are you guys raising your money? Because it's not cheap to one fly down there. Um, so you got to fly down there. You got to bring supplies and equipment and stuff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. how are you guys funding that? Uh, through donations. I mean, our business local circuit does, uh, you know, gives a portion of our, our earnings every year to it. Um, my just uh, got friends, family, people who follow us on social media, donate. You know, sometimes we have particular campaigns that we raise money for, but it, it's all funded through, you know, donations and um, things like that. I've got a drilling rig that we were literally getting ready to send down there last year when the craziness started. And that was going to be part of our funding was going to be drilling for for profit for businesses and residential people down there. And then for every well that we were charged for, we'd be able to do one or two wells for, you know, orphanages and schools and things like that uh, at, at no cost. So we were trying to get to where we're self-funded because I'd love to be that way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we still rely on the donations and, and uh, whatnot that come in. All right. Well, that's a good thing you guys are doing, and kudos to you and the business for Thank supporting you. that. Appreciate it. Shift over to my buddy Zach. Zach Calloway. Hey, how's it going? Good. A first time uh, guest on the show here. Uh, nope, second time. Uh, we, I think it was maybe a uh, Solar Winds conference in Arizona. Oh, that was back in the in the wee wee beginnings of the yeah. show, back when we were called Podnuts Pro. Yes. So, All right. some of those shows we don't count, but. <laughs> But uh, so Zach is here, and for the listeners that either don't remember or, or are new to the show, tell us a little bit about your business because you're not from here. No, yeah, we're uh, based out of Western North Carolina. Um, so I, in the past, me and Matt would uh, meet a couple times a year at conferences, and we kind of share ideas and kind of open me to the world of. Um, switching away from break fix many years ago to managed services. And um, ever since then, um, we've grown to roughly, I think we're on our fifth employee um, and yeah, trying to kind of grow and strong, adapting as this crazy market makes us adapt. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're steadily growing. Now, when we last spoke, I can't remember exactly, so we've been on one of the platforms. We were on the Facebook, and then you mm-hmm. guys tried to move us off to Teams. And yes. That fell apart. I don't know whose idea that was. It wasn't one of the two here, was it? Was probably, Maybe. Probably yours. I've been blaming, <laughs> I've been blaming you. Oh. <laughs> so, um, but you at the time, I don't think you would actually, I think you had an assistant, mm-hmm. but you hadn't gotten to the five. So that was a big jump. It is, yeah. So, um as we kind of were growing, I would definitely say MSP work was easier um, five, six, seven years ago. Uh, I could probably do more endpoints per tech than I do now. Um, but, you know, as complexities add, the more we got to start looking through logs. So, um, and the fact that we've just 
probably more than doubled our endpoint um, count, we needed to add employees. But it don't seem to be as efficient today as I was, say, seven years ago per endpoint. But it's just because we've added so many tools and we're having to do so much more. I was just going to ask you about that because some Yahoo in a presentation out there said that we should be doing about 500 endpoints per tech. Mm. Um, I find that a little bit high. I do too. Um, so we're, we're probably, um, and, it, and it all depends on which tool I go into. Uh, we're probably sitting between uh, six to 700 endpoints and I have three techs. Okay. And so, yeah, so we're five employees, uh, office stat. So depending on how you do that. So we have three techs that are covering, you know, we'll say 700 endpoints. All right. Uh, care to share what those tools are because we haven't we haven't gone over stacks in a while. Yeah, so right now our RMM is Synchro, um, right. and we are I would say our endpoint protection is going to be Huntress, and we have numerous like we use Mail Protector um, and uh, WatchGuard for firewalls. Uh, so I, I would say that our stack has changed significantly from. I would say from 2016 to now, because uh, we used to use uh, solar winds for a lot of our things. We tried to that whole single pane of glass. Right. Um, but, you know, that seemed to have fallen apart before COVID. Um, but now as COVID come, comes along, or as we're tr- hopefully on the other end of it, I would definitely say that our um, software stack or our, our just stack in general uh, – Every year I change something in it. I mean, every something comes along where I have to change something. So I don't really say that um, my stack is finalized. I mean, even here I see things that... Some new vendors. Oh, yeah. So I I try to be adaptable um, to the best I can. But as I'm adding people, I'm finding being adaptable is much harder. Because it used to be I just had to train myself. Now I have to train myself and then train my techs. And even me, now I don't actually do majority of the tech work anymore. I still need to learn the tool and then make sure that my techs are doing what they need to do. So changing, changing software is harder, but even though we still have to do it. Right. Now let's go back to Carolina because I don't even remember which side you're on because I see Carolina as, you know, there's East Carolina and West Carolina. So Raleigh, Durham, you know, the research triangle area and then Charlotte. So I'm on even the the further end of that. I'm in Asheville. So I'm oh, in the mountains. Asheville. I'm yeah with all the hillbillies. Okay, Asheville, Black Mountain. Yep, all that's me. There, Ridgecrest. Yep. yep. So um, Lookout Mountain. No, it's Tennessee. Um, that's not far though. No. Yeah. So like I was in Tennessee last weekend. Uh, so yeah, Western North Carolina. We, our, um, I would definitely say that we're behind the times when it comes to. Uh, the industries that we have there, but um, and the actual, you know, I would say, in how much we can charge per endpoint is is kind of lower than I would say if I was in Charlotte or Raleigh. But um, yeah, we make it work. Okay, all right. Testing my geography there. It's been a while since I was. Uh, I'm surprised you knew Black Mountain, but it's a very tiny town. So I went to school in the town of Wake Forest. Okay, it's a whole other story, and I would do weekend retreats. At Ridgecrest, it was Ridgecrest and Crest Ridge. So Ridgecrest was kind of like a combined camp and then Crest Ridge for girls, which I did not do. So I would have to drive, what was it, I-40 mm-hmm. um, those weekends and uh, do those retreats and uh, youth conferences and that stuff. So I'm familiar with that area. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's um, you. when I was younger, I, I thought that I would move away and make more money elsewhere. And I did. I moved. But I, I came back. I, I love wow. I love the mountains. That's a that's a great place. So anywhere between so Charlotte to and then to the 
to the west, the Asheville area, or even down south to Rock Hill, South Carolina? Yep. So um, we're actually closer to Greenville, uh, South Carolina, than yeah. is Charlotte. So we, I, I invest time and effort into Saluda going on down to Greenville, South Carolina, more so than I will Charlotte, just because it's quicker to get to. They actually probably are, I would say... Greenville is definitely not underserved compared to Asheville, but there's more opportunity in Greenville than I will have in Charlotte. Okay. And just as a point of uh, remembrance for everybody, Greenville, South Carolina was where I received my one and only basketball scholarship out of high school. Oh. Don't ask me how I even got <laughs> noticed in Greenville, South Carolina, but that's where that was. So Very interesting. All right. And my last guest of the show here for this podcast the uh 2021 darling of the channel lady die diana giles is here Hello. in dallas die how are you i'm great how are you good good now you i've seen a lot yeah pretty much let's see at, at TechCon, yeah. TechCon last right. and yeah. we were at another ascii event before that yeah but that was that was a year ago yeah and where else we've done a few things uh uh, well, TechCon again last year. TechCon, TechCon, ASCII, ASCII, yeah. all over the place. Yeah. And, and on the podcast. And on the podcast. It's true. So how are things uh, for you this time around? Great. It's the first conference I've gone to that I was able to drive. So that was nice. Yeah. And I was a little more relaxed, you know, not having to worry about getting on a plane and what I might get stopped at TSA for. <laughs> so good. At least you didn't lose a belt. I know. I, I, who knew you lost belts when, when Josh was talking about that? Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, so you and I have talked a lot about our stacks. We have some similar stacks. Uh, you've got a very big specialty in 365, which hopefully we'll talk about on future podcasts. But in terms of the vendors that you've seen here, I know that you've talked to some and not talked to others. How was your stack kind of shaping and reshaping now as, as a part of all these conferences. Cause every time we're there, you're like, Oh, I got to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, overall I am actually probably happier with my stack than I ever have been. Um, but you know, like Zach and Matt were talking about, um, I, I do like to be flexible. Um, I, I don't really talk when I talk to clients or, or prospects about my products. I don't really focus on the product as much as what the product does because I, I don't think they need to care exactly which one I'm using. I always want to be able to change if I need to. Uh, right now, I am actually probably happier with my stack than I have been, but uh, I was I was definitely interested in a new DNS filtering solution, so I was talking to Zorus, and I had talked to them at TechCon, and it hasn't been that long since we were there, and I've just been really busy since we got back, and so I hadn't had a chance to do a demo yet or anything. I would say give it another month because some of the things that they've announced that they're going to be adding uh, should make it pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to revisit because I did uh, uh, trial them. Actually, it was after the last ASCII event in Miami and before TechCon that I mm -hmm. trialed them. I, I wanted to look at their employee productivity soft uh, portion of that, and it just quite wasn't there. And They presented some different screens today that I may have to give them a, a second look. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's coming soon, whatever, it, you know, the Hopefully. stuff they were talking about today. Yeah. So. Now, like Zach, you have gone through a huge transition in your business because just a few years ago, 
you changed your name and did a complete 180 in your focus now called Skyline IT Management. Right, right. From the computer monkey. Yeah. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> well, it was on the last one, the last podcast we talked about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just kind of moved from break fix to MSP. And I guess I feel like a little late to the game, you know, in that respect. A lot of people were doing that a long time ago. But uh, it's been really good. And uh, I'm, I'm at a better place than I ever have been. Uh, you know, yeah, this was a challenging week, but um, now that I've come through it, um, no, it's been good. The last few clients I've added, I have been fortunate to be able to add a lot lately. And they've been, you know, we always talk about when we're talking about marketing, we talk about the ideal client. We don't talk about marketing. Well, you don't do marketing. You talk but about marketing. Yes. When the experts talk to us about marketing, they talk about our ideal client. That's, you know, the kind of thing we're supposed to kind of focus on. And, and I've been very fortunate because the people that I've, uh, or the companies that I've added lately have been, they've fit that mold. And so it's really, you know, I'm very happy about that. Very excited because uh, they're, they're cloud focused companies and that's where I want to be. And, that's been good. All right. Well, Diana, you and I will be chatting more because I will be seeing more of you later. And I'm not going to talk about that on the podcast today. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and end off here. I want to thank the three of you for leaving the sessions and coming in here and doing this quick impromptu podcast. But I like to get uh, different perspectives on the ASCII event. And because they've asked me to be here as a media host or sponsor, I don't know what I am officially, but my, my, uh, my logo is on the program. Pretty cool there. So giving a shout out to ASCII. If you are a listener and have not ever participated in an ASCII event like this, you don't have to be an ASCII member. You just have to find one that's in your area close enough to drive and hang out and talk to all the vendors and see there's probably, I don't know what, 400 uh, MSPs here. So a lot of people that you can meet and share business tips and thoughts with. So guys, thanks a lot. Thank you. And, uh, We'll catch you guys again soon with another episode. We'll be back here uh, with either more on day one or day two, depending on when I edit this, uh, from ASCII in Dallas. Till then, holla. 